Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And my guest today is once again, Danielle Bellina. Danielle is also a licensed clinical social worker, as well as a senior primary therapist at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in North Brunswick, New Jersey. And in this episode of the podcast, Danielle and I discuss the different emotion regulation skills that she used to help her while she was battling cancer. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and find it helpful. You brought up emotion regulation before as Mm -hmm. sort of one of the pillars. Again, I think my layman's understanding of what this is, that these are sort of habits that you want to get into or things you want to do every day that you kind of make part of your routine or, you know, as often as you can. Um, They're not necessarily things you're going to do in a really distressing moment. They're kind of habits you want to make to have um, to just have a better life in general. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, So explain where we're at with these or where you were at with these and sort of your journey. Okay. So my main two that I would talk about, the first one is opposite action. So this one obviously Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense, right? I have to act opposite to my instincts in in certain ways, right? Mm -hmm. So an example of this would be um, fear, right? Opposite action goes through a lot of different emotions they have in, in Princeton House's binder, which is Mm. phenomenal because it has like fear, it has anger, um, it has disgust. It also has love because some people don't know they have to act opposite to love. But for me, it's the fear one. So I wrote down, it says that follow these suggestions when fear is not justified by the facts or not effective. And I put a lot of thought into that. And it's, it's funny because when you're in this situation, fear is completely a normal, logical thing, right? It's exactly what I was thinking. Acting opposite of fear is, you know, like your fear response is to run away and hide. However, I'm not in danger from just the situation. Running away and hiding is also dangerous. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like I had to choose. I had to do opposite action like really aggressively Mm -hmm. because me not acting opposite to fear would not be effective. So an example of this is like chemo has side effects. There's a ton of different types of chemos that are out there, but they have a ton of different side effects that go along with all of them, right? So it's knowing that I now have to do this problematic thing. And at the same time, it's also the solution. So like problem and solution are the same exact thing. So it's like, if I want to run and hide, that's not effective in the situation. So um, it's just because the fear is justified doesn't mean it's in fact effective to engage in what follows fear, you mm-hmm. know, like the running and hiding stuff. So I found ways of acting opposite that I could, you know, so I would make it so that an example now would be, I have to continuously go to the doctor. I'm going to have to go to the doctor for the rest of my life, right. like every year, every six months, whatever, this surgeon, this doctor. And every single time I go, I bring something as a gift. It doesn't matter if it's cookies, a shirt, something silly. I do it because in my way, it's like... For the doctor? I'm, 
bring... for the doctor, oh, for the doctor. Oh, that's or right. even for sometimes for the nurses or, well, I also get myself a cookie, yeah. but, and I buy myself <laughs> stuff too afterwards just uh -huh. to be like, look at what you did. No, cool. But, Good. Yeah. But I do this because it allows me to act opposite a little bit more because I'm controlling in myself, like the way I'm perceiving the situation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm acting opposite to fear and I can't run and hide to keep right. myself safe, even though this is dangerous. So what I do is I try to make it a more tolerable thing, right? And they know it. I tell them because they're like, you don't have to bring us stuff. No, no, I do. Like this is something I'm doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um but I had to do this every single time because like I said to you before, there was never a time I didn't cry before I went to any of these visits. But I had to act opposite. I had to know that that was the only way I was going to be okay. I have a lot of strong feelings about, about this. Uh, okay, go ahead. And they are, I know the way I just said that made it sound like I was like disagreeing with you, but I totally 100% agree. Um, okay, I was like, are you mad at me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. It's um, matter of fact, this is one of the things uh, that I've taken away from anything I've ever read or, you know, some of the skills and stuff that I've come across with DBT. I think opposite emotion action is, is like, it's honestly one of the things that any good therapist will really tell you, behavioral therapist will tell you to do for pretty much any problem that you're struggling with. So like, depression you're isolating yourself well then you have to act opposite that it's behavioral activation you got to go out and do things you got to go out and meet with people mm -hmm. and now in my practice what i specialize in is anxiety disorders and there's so much crossover here between um like exposure therapy and mm -hmm. um opposite emotion action i mean it's mm -hmm. it's basically like the definition of it like like you said um you really have to act opposite of whatever your um your fear is telling you to do if you want to um if you want to function if you want to get better or if you want to be able to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve um so this is kind of one of those things similar to acceptance where like it sounds great mm -hmm. um and in practice it's super difficult so how do you kind of how do you make that work do you know what i mean Yes. And what you just said was 1000% like hitting the nail right on the head. The exposure therapy aspect of it, right? So understanding like acting opposite. So what I've noticed is I don't, if anybody's ever watched TV anytime recent, it's all the commercials are like meds, right? Oh, yeah. yeah so time. I very quickly noticed how many cancer medication uh, commercials there are, right? Like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to never watch television again? You know what I mean? So part of it was like, I have to. I make myself do certain things as exposure therapy, right? Mm -hmm. So like telling my story makes me less fearful. So that one day when I'm like five years from now, if I'm watching a TV show and a commercial comes on, it doesn't make me sick to my stomach. Totally. Because in the beginning it did. So now it's like cancer can't just be this negative thing, even though it is, it's mm -hmm. horrible. I'm not trying to make it nice and pretty, but it can't just be that negative thing in my head. I have to act opposite to my instinct to avoid it. Mm -hmm. I have to in some way go towards it. I have to acknowledge it. It's a part of who I am now. 
you know? And, and it's like, I don't want to hear other people's stories sometimes, but then I do. And I make myself, you know, because you know what, just because something happened to that person doesn't mean it's going to happen to me. It has to be a little bit of an exposure therapy. And 1000% that was me acting opposite and Mm -hmm. still is to this day. Yeah. That's another great example. I could just so easily see how that would pop up, right? Like, I don't notice, uh, me personally, Mm -hmm. like, I'm sure I don't notice when all these cancer drugs are coming up as commercials, right? But then, and actually, anxiety is really good at this. It's like you, you're, you become sort of hyper-focused on whatever the, the, or really good at noticing whatever these little anxiety cues are. So, Obviously, yeah. when cancer is on your mind and, you know, you're scared of, of having it, of course, you're going to notice all the different cancer drugs. I'm sure there's plenty of other examples that we could come up with. Um, yeah. Like, are you thinking of any ones right now? Like other times that you notice it? Yeah, I, I would say like for other people that I've noticed it with patients or just in general with human beings, if someone lost a child, every mm, time there's a yeah, baby absolutely. on a commercial or it's someone totally. sees a baby. Yes, of Exactly. Course. It's, Yeah. Yeah. Anxiety is really good at that, right? It's like um, it shines a spotlight on whatever the thing is that it knows is going to get you. That's going to get you to start thinking about, you know, whatever it is that makes you anxious. So, yeah, I just a great example. But in the other example that you gave, again, rewind, we're talking about opposite action. Can you maybe just give another example of opposite action in in action? (laughs) Like going to a doctor's appointment was obviously something that you didn't want to do. Yeah. But. Oh, yes. I have another example. With every ounce in me, I did not want to tell people that I had cancer. Oh. Not because I wasn't, um, because I was like embarrassed or afraid. I did not want to upset people. I had to learn. What a therapist-y thing to say. Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, (laughs) And let me tell you, I told people as a therapist each time, people are probably like, what is wrong with your affect? Mm -hmm. But like, I knew that I had to do it. I knew that it was like, ineffective for people to find out in other ways. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to like rip the bandaid off. I had to opposite action that one. Yeah. It was just like I had to accept what was going to come with that, mm-hmm. um, even though I wanted to avoid and protect. But mm-hmm. in all honesty, I'm the one that needed the support. So how mm-hmm. could I have the support without telling people? Right. Just another home run in terms of examples. Yeah. Really telling people about it, even though you didn't necessarily want to. No. Okay. And to your point with that, actually, I only tell, told a core group of people knew. Like, you mm-hmm. know, my coworkers, I'm very close to, my friends, my family, they all knew. And the reason why I waited until I was done with my journey to tell my story is because in the back of my mind, I did not want people thinking that I wanted attention or sympathy. Sure. I just wanted to be able to tell my story. And mm. I did struggle with that a little bit because I don't want to be perceived in that way. But how else are people going to, do I get to tell my story and possibly help someone unless I actually tell my story? Mm -hmm. But you're right. So there is a bit of that. That's Mm -hmm. correct. Okay. So that was opposite action, Mm -hmm. the the emotion regulation skill. What What are some of the other ones that you found helpful? Okay. So the next one we'll go over is... um, ABC, please. I'm going to need help with this one. Go. go oh, I will okay. say this to you. So I'll okay. read it through a little first to explain it. Okay. 
So ABC is reducing vulnerability to the emotion mind and building a life worth living because this comes out of the emotion regulation module and it's building this life that we want for the future and making life worth living because a lot of patients, it's not necessarily that they always want to just die in that moment, but there's also feels like not much to live for. Mm -hmm. So we want to create this life we want to, we want to live. So it starts off with A, which is accumulating positive emotions. B, which stands for building mastery. C, which stands for cope ahead. So we do a lot of cope ahead planning. And trust me, I lived by that during my cancer journey. And then the plea skills are, um, we'll go over those in a more, it's P is physical, L is illness, physical illness, E is eating, A is avoiding mood altering substances, S is sleep, and E is exercise. So it just spells out please but I'm going to use that as one main thing. Yeah, I feel so, like this could be its whole a whole podcast series. I mean, there's a lot of skills wrapped up in one, so uh, break it down for us. It is. So A, for the accumulating positive emotions. So I knew that it's kind of simple for this one because the long-term goal is like, it seems crazy to say, but some of the things that I did were a positive because in, you know, the dialectic of DBT. So like the example would be like the mastectomy or the hysterectomy. Now, those are not great things. However, I accomplished those things, which met my long-term goal. It greatly reduced my chance of ever having ovarian or breast cancer Mm -hmm. again, right? So it's like I did that as the long-term goal. Same with chemo, right? In the short term, I used to, it's like do pleasant things as much as possible. So I would go for walks. Um, I would talk to support. I distracted myself. I watched a lot of TV. Um, I would make crafts. I actually took up woodworking. Oh, cool. Like it was, yeah. So um, it was just accumulating positive emotions, finding things that were joyful. I used to make these silly videos for my friends Mm -hmm. and like tell funny stories about my cancer journey Mm -hmm. and like send them to them. Um, Or I'd call anyone and just be like, tell me about your life. So it's kind of just accumulating things in the short term and the long term to make sure that like you have a life you want in the future. So that was A. Okay. B, building mastery. Kind of what we said before, the exposure ter- uh, therapy exposure therapy thing is I, ca- I had to keep showing up, right? I had to keep telling my story. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the way and it still is my way of building mastery on this whole cancer journey is like this is this is my story to tell you know and it's kind of like the more i tell it the more it seems like i know i know what it means to me you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because unfortunately when you're diagnosed you don't forget that cancer has mortality associated with it, right? Like death is associated with it. So you have to think about what that is. And even though I was very fortunate and with stage one, I put a lot of thought into what the world would be like without me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And all of the things that I thought I would miss that I fought for, all the people that I would miss that I fought for, the people that would miss me, I really invested my time in. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I knew who the people I know to this day who who I will be there for and who will be there for me. Mm-hmm. So that was that was both like accumulating positive and building mastery. But like I said, I I worked my way up. I I did something every single time I made sure I I went to the grocery store 
the weekend before chemo because I went every Tuesday and I would buy all really great foods, get my food prepared. I knew what I was going to eat the day before. I knew what I was going to eat after I got home from chemo. I packed a chemo bag, like just anything I knew to keep myself, my mind busy to, mm-hmm. to build mastery and cope ahead. So for coping ahead, I already kind of explained that I would bring gifts. I would remember, like I made mental notes and like my nurses would kind of go in and out for who I would have on a weekly basis for Mm. chemo. But I remember like aspects of their lives and like, no, to be like, today we're going to ask Barbara. She wasn't a real nurse there, but we're going to ask Barbara about our kids. Like it was like, keep myself busy today. I'm going to bring a warm blanket tomorrow. I'm going to bring like Princeton house. My coworkers had a blanket made for me, Mm. bring the blanket. People ask questions. It'll prompt a conversation. It's Mm. like very basic, the cope ahead stuff that I did. So the ABC part was like really simple. It just as simple as it sounds, you know, like doing things that feel good Mm -hmm. and packing them in there for you. Um, because again, emotion regulation, you're not in distress, Mm -hmm. right? So you do, the more you do these things when you're not in distress, the easier these things come to you when you are in distress. Good point. That's the objective. Mm -hmm. So then the police skill was like taking care of my physical body, knowing I needed to sleep as you already know this, but as people listening to this can tell, I am an extremely hyper person. So like I knew it's, yeah, it's fun to go to the store and shop, but also get home and rest, you know, put your feet up, drink fluids, take your medicine as prescribed. You Mm -hmm. know, I did all of those things because that's what you should be doing, you know, and they're not fun. The medicine made me feel sick. I didn't want to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. but you do what you got to do. Call the doctor when you need to. That was a big one for me because I literally hate calling doctors yeah, for anything. So it's like your leg looks a little swollen. Call the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, make a joke, tell a story, like make it fun. As weird as that sounds, because cancer is not fun. But I found ways to entertain yeah, of myself. Course. You know? Right, right. So that's pretty much how I did ABC, please. It's pretty straightforward, even though it has a lot of different acronyms in it. It is following along and kind of creating a calendar for yourself and looking for the future as what you want as a goal, you know? Yeah, I almost said that basically it sounds like just doing things that kind of feel good, that are fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess the piece that would, would have been missing is like this like planning ahead for the future kind of thing. Like, yep. um, like you said, the woodworking thing, like, you know, you talked about how you can't help but think about mortality when you get a, tan- a cancer diagnosis. Well, I'm not going to be, you're not stuck in like that despair mindset if you're actively trying to get better at something so that, you know, you can yes. do a better job at it tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, is that, thousand percent if i'm planning for the future i'm going towards the future you know what i mean like if i sit and i i had to cope with that but if i sat in it and thought i was going to die how great was i going to go through this this right this situation and to be honest it's you know there are people who are metastatic there are people who do have terminal diagnosis there has to be like a compromise somewhere in between because you you may know that the end is there. First of all, the end's there for everybody. Right. But we don't know when it's going to be. It's just that when you have a diagnosis, you you get something that feels a lot more concrete, right? Sure. A lot more so immediate. It's like, 
Exactly. So you can either use your time and use it, or you can use your time and not, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I'm not trying to be callous or cold because also I was stage one and it was very different for me, Mm -hmm. but it's the reality of the situation that we got to try our best to make the best of something. Mm. I think that there's a disclaimer on this entire episode, which you've said multiple times, which is like, hey, this is my journey. This is what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And this is how I feel about all this stuff. You know, a thousand different people going through this. None of them are going to have exactly the same experience. Um, Nope. And this is just kind of your story. Yes, that's accurate. 